Titus and Tate is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Dell's President's Day event has finally arrived, and we are honoring you. For the artists and gaming fans out there, it's time to get more into what you're passionate about. For a limited time, save up to $250 on select Alienware and XPS computers powered by Intel Core processors. But the deals don't stop there. Take advantage of special pricing on monitors, docks, mice, and other accessories. These offers won't last, so start your upgrade today by visiting dell.com slash President's Day or by calling 800-BUY-DELL. That's 800-B-U-Y-DELL. Again, the number to call is 800-BUY-DELL. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we're talking about these three things, Tate. Your family, <laughs> your religion, and, and Rutgers, Rutgers basketball. basketball. In the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights have come out of nowhere mm. to win four straight versus ranked teams. Um, this is surprising in the sense that Rutgers lost three straight to terrible teams in November. And now all of a sudden they're very good. Are they and, breaking uh, the bubble? No. That's what a lot of people are asking because, you know, will Wade broke the bag. Is this team, is this Rutgers team going to break the bubble? I think so. Are, it's Rutgers. Like, first of all, do they, just, where, where are we at in the <laughs> Rutgers experience right now? Where uh, like some people are arguing they should be in the tournament or not in the tournament. They won't have that argument. Other people are like, should they be ranked or not? Yeah. Other people are like, is Rutgers the hottest team? Literally the single hottest team in the country. And the, and the numbers say they're like should the they 80th team one? in America, but they're really, they're, there's no way there's 70 teams better oh than them. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a lot. They're breaking everything. Yes. It is, uh, it, it is, it is fun to watch. It's Rutgers and, basketball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun to watch, except for when they, they scored 10 straight to beat Ohio State. That wasn't quite as fun, no, but Rutgers like is on fire. We're going to talk about that. Uh, also, the, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. It's good to have red in your, uh, your, Scarlet Knights, Red Raiders, whatever. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech swept Baylor last night, Tate. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, it is Fraud Friday. We have to hit on that. We also need an ACC update Oof. from you because uh, Oof. Oof. <laughs> that might be the update. Right yeah, there. just a Oof. just a oof. Just uh, woof. <laughs> we'll talk about it. There is a lot to get to. We'll get to all of it. But first, Woody Durham. All right, we're going to start with Rutgers, Tate. Uh, I, I assume that's fine by you because uh, what, what is happening in, in the Jersey Mike Center? No longer the rack. Some people are still calling it the rack. It is now the Jersey yeah. Mike's Center, Jersey Mike's Arena. I think it's Jersey Mike's Arena, right? But I, <laughs> Or maybe it's the center. But at the end of the day, Jersey Mike's feels pretty perfect uh-huh. for Rutgers basketball. And Steve Peichel... You know, he's got something going here. And if you really you know, kind of work this whole thing back, Rutgers has a lot of talent that left. And now a lot of people are saying that Rutgers is not only a good team this season, Titus, a good program. Whoa. Is Rutgers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
My God, we're getting carried away, aren't we? Four yeah, wins. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> first of all, let, let's into the first question. Is Rutgers on the bubble? Is Rutgers, if the tournament started today, if, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Rutgers has beat four straight ranked teams. Uh, they beat uh, Michigan State. They've beaten Ohio State. They've beaten Wisconsin. Now they beat uh, Illinois on Wednesday night. They smoked Illinois, an Illinois team that they lost to the first time they played in December. I believe Illinois beat Rutgers by 35 I yes. not, that's not even an exaggeration. I think it was literally 35 points. Uh, and Rutgers dominated from start to finish in this one. Um, they it, it was the kind of game where coaches uh, and, and, and old school basketball people love to invent the word out toughed. It's like they, they can't mm. think of any other word to say. So they're, that, that was this game. That was they're, they're watching Rutgers play Illinois, and they're like, they just out toughed them. They're like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, it's the only word I got. They out toughed them. <laughs> they out toughed them all night. They uh, out rebounded <laughs> Illinois forty six to twenty eight. Tate. It was it was a complete ass kicking, and it mm-hmm. it is a uh, um, it is something that in a vacuum might be surprising because we are both very high on Illinois. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. What does this do to to our confidence in Illinois? Uh, but but this run that Rutgers is on is 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 it, they really might be like the hottest team in the country. They beat four straight ranked teams. Um, but is it surprising? Because I guess, like, as as I'm now watching Rutgers, I'm like, I don't know, man. This makes a lot of sense given the talent they have. Like, and it dawned on me, Tate. I have <laughs> I have an idea. I have an analogy I want to make. Rutgers, I think, is the St. John's of the Big Ten. Rutgers is a team that, like, you look at the roster, mm. you look at like Geo Baker and Ron Harper. That is Posh Alexander and Champagne of of the Big Ten. Where you're like, yes, I could talk known my, entities, known entities that can that can explode on any given night, and so. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I saw this coming from Rutgers, but at the same time, this is not a situation where you're like, how the hell are they doing this? Because you watch them play. You're like, they, 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 they have the number one scoring defense in the Big Ten in conference games. Um, they they are, are, are playing tough as hell. There's something about that arena that's giving them juice. And for God's sakes, Ron Harper and Geo Baker can go. And I think it's just that simple. I don't know. You know what I'm over? I'm over bad losses. You know what I mean? I'm over talking about November losses as if they define who this team yeah. is. We know what this Rutgers team is. They are not who they once were in December. And if anything, we need to remember the shot that you know happened against Purdue. That's the Rutgers that we need to remember from 2021. That's the only Rutgers you need to remember. They're the hottest team in America. Nobody wants to play them in March. They should be in March. If Joe Lenardi does not push them uh, you know, above this whole bubble fray, It'll be a cardinal sin because New Jersey loves basketball. Rutgers is a program with without Seton Hall because of COVID. COVID took out Seton Hall. Rutgers has to be that team <laughs> for New say, Jersey. You say that like Seton Hall hasn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Like it was they, all COVID. They're done. It was all no, COVID. Like like their season is literally over because the, <laughs> well, the COVID stretch kind of is. For my expectation <laughs> of them winning the Big East, yes, it's over. But at the same time, I'm just saying it feels like Rutgers, the momentum is all there. Uh, all signs are pointing to yes for Rutgers basketball. And it's about time. You know what I mean? They needed this moment in time. And this team, like you said, I mean, they had the star power behind it. Um, and nobody wants to see them in March. They're going to be a fun, what, 10 seed, 9 seed, 8 yeah. seed, maybe 7 seed. But we'll see. As it pertains to the NCAA tournament, we were talking about this. Uh, we, we, we were riffing on this about some other teams. We, I think you brought up Carolina and um, maybe oh. we mentioned Indiana being on the bubble. And now Rutgers is on the bubble. It really like there needs to be someone in the committee in the in the room on Selection Sunday um, that that offers just a vibe check that just offers. Uh, yeah, first of all, there's a, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. Rutgers could very easily play their way to where there's no controversy whatsoever. And it's like, yeah, they're definitely. But like if the season ended today. 
there are some people that do, as you said, look at the November losses and say they don't belong because of that. Their resume. The bad losses. Yeah. This, don't let this, the bad losses outweigh the good wins. We don't need all that. We need someone in the room that's just the vibes guy that's just like, are, are we serious? Rutgers is like, yeah. look around. Look, look, capture this moment that's happening right now in college <laughs> basketball with Rutgers. Put them in the goddamn NCAA tournament. Like, we don't have If no we're talking the top 68 teams in college basketball, they are right. no doubt one of the top 68 teams. Yes. They might be 68, but no. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a fun story how good they are. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we have to overthink it. And can they sustain it? I guess that's the next question. Is this run a fluke? Um, they beat Purdue, Maybe. as you said. So like that, there's they they've shown us signs all season. I do think their roster is they have a talented roster. Their bench is a little suspect. They don't get much production from the bench. Um, but Ron Harper, I mean, Ron Harper is a guy that that if if he was not playing in the Big Ten and he was playing in, I don't want to name lesser conferences, but uh, he's he's in a conference that's absolutely loaded more so than any other conference with individual talent. No matter how good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, you believe these Big Ten teams are? I, I think that's not controversial to say, Tate, that the Big Ten is the best collection of like the individual players in terms of like all American candidates. You know? Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, Ron Harper kind of isn't in that mix when we talk about all the great players. Ron Harper Jr. in the mix when we talk about all the great players in the Big Ten. But he is one of those guys. Like he's been one of those guys at Rutgers for. I mean, anyone that's followed Big Ten basketball probably has a story about when Ron Harper ripped your team's heart out. You know, like you remember this mm-hmm. guy can play. This is not a. This is not a fluke what we're seeing from him. Geo Baker, same thing. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't see any reason why they can't keep it rolling. Which isn't to say I think they're gonna go to the Elite Eight for God's sakes. But yeah, the, put put them in the put them in the tournament. They belong in the put tournament. them in the tournament. And also, I mean, when Harper when Harper Jr. gave the Jordan shrug in this game, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of cemented the fact that not only is, is this team the hottest team in the country, they're the most confident team right now. They want the smoke. They want to play, you know, these top teams in the Big Ten and make a statement. So they're definitely in. I'm over the bubble talk. Uh, Rutgers in the tournament. Get over it. Steve Peichel's done a great job with this team. Again, the Big Ten's too deep for them to get the real recognition that they deserve you're right about that but we have to do it here uh, uh ruckus basketball ruckus i'm ready for basketball. Ruckus. <laughs> are you worried about illinois no i'm not i i uh this changed nothing about illinois i think they're still a final four team um, <laughs> but, oh yeah take say, that back you're, you're, <laughs> take you're, that edit that out i, we, I don't uh, want to jinx it i'm not gonna what are we adding ruckers to the list of uh like your, your list is you're never going to take Illinois off of your list of teams you believe in. What you're going to do is yeah. you're going to add bad matchups to the Illinois list. Where you're yeah, like, there, there are two teams that Illinois does not want to see in the tournament. <laughs> Purdue and Rutgers. And now Rutgers. Add Rutgers yeah. to the list. Everybody else, watch out. You don't want to play Illinois. But those two teams, watch out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Rutgers is... Uh, who, who, what's the rest of their schedule looking like? I, I, I meant to look that up. Their next game is uh, Purdue, correct? That's right, yeah. And Harper's got the hand injury. And he might he might miss that one, um, which uh, is, is is a bummer. But Purdue's probably going to win that anyway. Uh, then they got Michigan away, Wisconsin at home, Indiana at Assembly Hall, and then Penn State. They, dude, they got a gauntlet the rest of the way, too. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's why I'm saying right now, before the gauntlet comes and everyone turns you know, yeah. sour on Rutgers, let's just go ahead and slot them in before that happens. You know what yeah. I mean? Right now, in this present moment, Rutgers is in the tournament. Let's get them in. Yeah, 16-9, and nine, they're, they're, 
Yeah, dude, put put them in the tournament. What, they're, they're being they're, judged. They're being judged by the bad losses, and I think that is a reflection of all of us in this society. We should be celebrating the good wins because they have the good wins outweigh the bad losses. That's all I'm saying. They're they're probably going to lose to Purdue uh, on Sunday. Um, you, you, six and three against Quad One for the Q fans out there. Six and three against Quad so One. So they got teams. one, two, three, four. They got five regular season games left. Uh, they got to go three and two. I don't care how they do it. They go three and two. You, you go three and two, you win one game in the Big Ten tournament. There's the debate's over. They're 100% in. They're 100% in. Facts. That's crazy. This team lost to, it wasn't just that they lost to DePaul and Lafayette <laughs> and UMass in three consecutive games, State. They also, the, the opening game of the season, Lehigh took them to overtime, which is maybe as bad as any other. Lehigh is not good. Lehigh is not a good mm. basketball team. And they, uh, that's but are they a good program? That's the question. <laughs> Some people were saying so. They scored 48 <laughs> points the following game against Merrimack. They won 48 to 35 against Merrimack. Those they were the, overlooking these games. They that's play how they up to their competition. The first two games, then they beat New Jersey Institute of Technology, and then they have that three game loses. Like th- th- they very easily <laughs> could have been one and five with one win over in JIT. Um, just a hilarious story. There's no other way around it. Like the start that they had to where they're at now. Uh, they, th- this is this is going to be an all time. If Rutgers can figure out a way to get into the NCAA tournament, it is. It, we're we're going to be looking at this forever. We're going to be taught like anytime a team has a shitty start, we're going to be like, yeah, but remember Rutgers? We can't count them out yet. They could they could get hot. <laughs> it, it just goes to the philosophy. We need to you like you said a vibe check. I mean, it used to be with the committee. We we didn't know as much, but it did feel like when they saw a hot team coming into March that team would get precedent. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would just say, this team is obviously, we check the vibe. These these guys are good. We got to get them in the tournament. Yeah. And I feel like that philosophy, I know we love numbers. I know we're enamored by all the analytics with all these teams. Rutgers passes the vibe check. Put them in the tournament. Put them in the tournament. Uh, speaking of vibe checks, do you want to do the ACC update now or do we want to do that? Save that Let's, for later? I mean, we, we can do it now. We can do it now. Okay. Because I... Uh, <laughs> I, th- there, there, there's a lot to get to in the ACC, I think, because, uh, yeah, I'm just going to let you have the floor tape. We, we, as a reminder, the reason we do the ACC update, not the Pac-12 update, is because uh, the ACC is not good. And a lot of us, myself included, are not closely following ACC basketball this season. Mm. And uh, outside of Duke, we're all watching Duke, obviously. Every, everyone's watching. Everybody's watching Duke. Um, can, I, can, I quick, can I quick aside uh, just about Duke? I was looking at the mock draft today and, you know, the athletic puts out their mock draft and, you know, I I like to check in on these things to see how, how they're progressing throughout the season. And, you know, I'm cutting, going through it and Paulo Bancaro's at four. I'm like, Oh, interesting. You know, not, not, you know, a guy we thought might be number one. And then I get to number five and I immediately go, Oh my God, is Duke paying money? AJ Griffin is number five on the list. Who is this? This was, this was Sam. I get. I think Vecini? it's the athletic. I guess it's that's Vecini, him. but that's him. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I saw so this, he put out his he put out his new big board. Okay, so I get to number five. I'm losing my mind. I'm like, wait a second, what? So <laughs> AJ Griffin is now number because of the Carolina game. This Carolina team that is both the worst team you've ever seen, no respect, but also Duke beating them catapults them to the next level. We we don't know how that works. How could it be such a good win, but also such a terrible loss? We don't know. We'll never understand. And then I get to 15, Titus, and I'm like going through the names, checking out Mark Williams at 15. <laughs> and then I think to myself, all right, Mark Williams is at 15. 
this man is nowhere near close the the best big man in college basketball, but yet he's one pick out of the where Cole Anthony went in the draft. I'm like, where are the best big men in college basketball? I began I began to look and I'm scrolling down and I'm getting to thirty and I'm like, oh my god, where's Oscar Sheboy? Where's Kofi Coburn? Drew Timmy now. Drew Timmy, now I'm in the second round. None of these names, none of these names. Then I get to 46, Oscar Sheboy, 56, Kofi Coburn, and again, Mark Williams, number 15. I don't get it, Titus. But the ACC update is that Duke has three first-round picks on their team. So they, if they don't Wait, win the title, Where's Wendell Moore? 31, 32, somewhere he might there. be. That might be four, dude. Okay, so you get – they have four first-round picks. So if they don't win the championship, historic failure, I think some would say. <laughs> Um, based on the talent that they have there. So, so that's where, I, you know what the ACC update should be? It should be, mm-hmm. instead of uh, you give us an update on the ACC, it's uh, the Duke shook, <laughs> the, the, the Tate shook by Duke power rankings or whatever. Like, what what is it that's got you shook uh, the most about Duke this week? I, I just, I, I, <laughs> I cannot just, believe that. I cannot believe that. Oscar Sheboy, 46. Kobe Cover 56. Mark Williams, 15. Make it make sense. I don't get it. Uh, anyways, Duke number one in the ACC yep. with four potential first-round draft picks. Notre Dame, second in the ACC. Duke and Notre Dame actually both 12-3. and three. Duke has the tiebreaker. So there you go. That's a race to watch out for. Notre Dame almost lost to Boston College. Had to yeah, go to overtime. I, I was watching that. I was watching. Yeah. yeah, already lost to Boston College earlier in the year, so this could have been uh, two losses to Boston College uh, potentially. But they they dodge a bullet. Miami's eleven and four. They're now in third place in well, the well, ACC. Yeah, what's up with Miami? No, nobody. Miami was wasn't Miami in first. Miami wins in Cameron yes. Indoor Stadium. Uh, yes. they were in first Quality place. Win. I know they've mm-hmm. fallen back a little bit. My, Miami's an NCAA tournament team. Yes, they're okay. in the tournament. Okay, so, so they're do, in third do, place do, do in the ACC. Have, are they in the ACC? Are they? Are we taking them seriously as like an ACC title threat? I mean, they're no, game- the, reg- the, the regular season is a two man race. I think right now it's a two man. race. I think it's between- Notre Dame and Duke. Okay. Which is Duke's. I mean, Duke doesn't win the regular season again. Historic colossal failure. <laughs> Something that we will be talking about for decades and eons to come. So even though Miami's uh, a game back, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I just want this spelled out for me. Miami's a Miami- game back, but you, you think they're yes. done. You think Miami's not going to be able to. I think Virginia is going to beat Miami on Saturday. Okay. And then I think Virginia Tech is going to beat Miami the following Saturday. And I think Syracuse plays them the last game of the season in the ACC. And if I know anything about the Bayheims and Syracuse, they're going to win that game uh, heading into the ACC tournament. So I see three losses coming up for Miami in my in my ACC calculations. And I and I and I would happily I would happily be wrong if Miami shocks the world and wins the ACC. But that's the way that I'm looking at it as, as I as I look through their schedule. Number four in the ACC, not as far back as you would think, the University of North Carolina at 10 and 5, 18 and 8 on the season. Again, embarrassed at home by your Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, back-to-back uh, trips to Chapel Hill. The Capels leave with W's, which is disgusting. Um, uh, it makes me sick just to even say that out loud. I don't know if you watched this game, Titus, but it was... I, uh... I, I have decided to just like not watch Carolina the rest of the year because it's almost more fun. You have entered, and I say this lovingly, you mm-hmm. have entered the Mike Rutherford territory where uh, <laughs> it's more fun to consume your team's content through yeah. you than it is to like watch your team. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's yeah, more fun for me to now get my like Louisville's not making the tournament. Louisville sucks. They lost their coach this year. 
We understand that. Uh, I have no reason to watch Louisville play this season. I, I have one more second. <laughs> they play North Carolina next. So there really? you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my approach with Louisville has been, I just like, if I want to know what's going on with Louisville, I just go check out Mike's Twitter feed or something or, or, or see what he's talking about. And then I, you know, laugh to myself or most of the time laugh to myself. And sometimes it's not laughing. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Right now it's laughing. I think they've lost seven in a row for the first time since 1941 is what he said. Um, so yeah. I have reached that point with you, Tate, where North Carolina, I watched the Carolina Duke game. I will watch the next Carolina Duke game. <laughs> but between now and then, I'm just, I just want my Carolina updates from you and your Twitter and like your, 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 <sighs> the tweets you fire off and then delete after like t- two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I, these dudes I are bitches. Wait, I probably should say <laughs> delete. delete. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I hate it's this honestly, team so much. Uh, delete. I, I, the things like, I never thought one time I was just sitting there to myself last night and I was like, I think I like Larry Drew more than Caleb Love. You know? <laughs> The, the, like this is where we are, um, but North Carolina not that far back. Um, mm-hmm. Probably out of the tournament somehow, even though they are in fourth place in the ACC, eighteen and eight. But they don't have the quad. The the cues do not approve of North Carolina, so they they're kind of shocked there. Uh, Wake Forest is next. They're fifth. Wake Forest, I think, is in the tournament. They have the ACC Player of the Year, and also is he going to win? Because I've seen I've seen to. like the Londis Williams. He has to. The 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 talk of him winning ACC Player of the Year um, is is picking up so much that it worries me that it's not obvious. You know what I mean? Like why why is mm-hmm. the campaign this strong? Unless he's not actually going to win, and they're trying yeah. to convince everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that worries me. It, that it's going to Palo. I think that, or, I think that everyone everyone is trying to make sure that it's just not a we give this to Palo because he's the best talent in the ACC. You know what yeah. I mean? I think I think the media, the ACC media, is trying to protect that and actually give it to the best player, which is why Alonis Williams is getting pushed um, so hard by everybody. But you're right; it does concern me, and I feel like if Bancaro is going to be nominated for the Wooden Award and the Naismith Award and all this sort of stuff. He's probably, you know what I mean? People expect he's going to win the ACC Player of the Year. So That's a great point that that yeah. Ben Carroll gets brought up as as All-American stat. Like, Alondis Williams isn't First team All-American is what people were saying. Alondis, no, no one, I haven't heard a single person make the argument that Alondis Williams belongs on the All-American team, but he is the ACC yeah. Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to Wake Forest. <laughs> yeah, something to monitor. And Wake Forest plays Notre Dame at home next. And I think that's the game to watch because if Notre Dame loses this game, helps Duke, obviously, on this path to win the regular season the first time since 2010. And also, you know, it could be a nice win for Wake Forest to, you know, let people know that, hey, we're here. We're for real. Um, and then the next team and the final team I'll talk about is Virginia, obviously, at 10 and 6 as well. I think they're going to make the tournament. I just think that the tournament loves Tony Bennett too much not to let mm. him in. So I think those are all double-digit win teams in the ACC, the ones I just listed. And What's I think the, that they uh, all get in the tournament minus Carolina. I think Carolina is going to get – they're going to box them out of the tournament. I don't know why, but the media wants us to be Indiana. Uh, you tell me why they, why they want us to be Indiana. I don't get it. We won a title five years ago. But if I see it one more time by a media person, I'm just going to officially give up. Who brought Indiana into this? What, what, every, what? every single person out there, they're like, this reminds me of Indiana. I'm like, why? What? 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 Hold everyone, on. everyone, what? everyone I talk to, they just bring it out. They're like, you guys are now like Indiana. I'm like, wait a second. Give me 40 years and you can say that. Hold on. What, who brought it? What is happening? Every person I talk to. Every person I talk to. 
That's that's what they compare it to. And I don't want to be way, here. They're saying they're saying this is the beginning of the end for Carolina's blue blood. Yeah, that's they're just like you guys are on an Indiana path, and I'm like, no, we're not going to be on an Indiana path. Do they, so they don't mean the they don't mean the team. They don't mean these specific Mm-mm. two teams because Indiana and Carolina. No, are they're the they're talking programs. So we're talking, talking programs. as a program. We're not, yeah, we're not talking teams. We're talking programs. And I refuse to let that to let that narrative uh, win out because it's a Duke narrative. You know what I mean? I also saw Duke people tweeting like, "I can't believe Carolina gave the reins over to someone who's never coached before." Without with the irony of that's exactly what Coach K is doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what a what, world we live in. What what's the ACC? Uh, uh, the ACC fans as a whole, do you think? Because I, I know I know you're plugged into other programs and state fans and Virginia fans chirping <laughs> at you and all that stuff. Does the ACC suck? And do you feel like this is because because coming into the season, you felt like Carolina had to carry the burden of this, that that when Carolina and Duke are good, it elevates the rest of the conference. Uh, so you feel the pride with the conference. When the conference is bad, it's usually a reflection of Carolina being bad, right? Do you mm. feel like that's the case with, say, um, the, the Virginia fans, the Virginia Tech, the Syracuse fans. Do you feel it across the conference that like, my God, we suck and we need to figure this out as a conference? Or is everyone just kind of focused on the individual teams? How do we get our teams into the tournament so we can lose in the second round? I think that everyone needs Coach K to come out and say that the ACC is a lot better than the media is reporting. I think we all need Coach K to stick his neck out for the ACC and say that it's all media narrative. This is a really tough league. And when someone asks him how many people should make you know, the tournament, he should say eight teams. You know what I mean? That, that is what we need. That is what that's the leadership that the ACC needs. Right. But no one because Duke is selfish, as we saw when window Moore goes down, no one on the team goes and helps him out. You know, Coach K is the only one that comes out and does anything. So the Duke's not sticking their neck out for the ACC. Carolina, they have no voice right now. Virginia, they're not they're they're not that team. They're not they're not, you know, the ones who can really do that. It's a leadership void. And I hope that Coach K sticks his neck out and says eight teams and then we'll take six. You know what I mean? It's a negotiating it's a deal. <laughs> Eight teams will take six. Oh man, um, that's that's the ACC update. That's it, huh? That's your <laughs> ACC update. I think that's it. All right, that that, that uh, we, we can segue nicely from the ACC into frauds, other frauds around the country. Oh, because uh, yes, I'm ready for the fraud power rankings. Uh, can we, can we get into it? Yeah, please can you do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fraud power rankings this week. This is a uh, this is a fun <laughs> one. I, I enjoyed putting these together. We didn't do one last week. I re- I remembered as I was as I was doing this. So uh, you needed a break. You yeah, you, yeah. you said you wanted to collect more frauds. Anytime we take some time off from the fraud power rankings, it's always fun to dive back in. So uh, here are your fraud power rankings for this week. At number five, Tate, we start out with a head coach of your Alabama Crimson Tide, Nate Oates, who was on Wednesday night tossed from the game versus Mississippi State. Uh, he, he got a second technical foul with the bout. It was right around. It was like eight seventeen left in the game. I want to say. Yeah. Um. He he did. He. Uh, I. I feel like Bobby Hurley has done this move before. I don't know why that's coming to my mind. I don't know if he has or not. But like I picture, I can close my eyes and picture Bobby Hurley doing this, where he went to the ref and said, "Do it. Like go. Do yeah, it. Yeah. Do yeah. It. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, like I dare you to do it. I yeah. dare you to do it. And then the ref is like, <laughs> "I'm gonna do it." And he's like. <laughs> Do it then. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah. So Nate Oates is the video of him saying, go ahead, go ahead to the ref, at saying it's because the ref's threatening him with the second technical foul. The ref tosses him. Nate Oates gets thrown out. So why is he on the fraud power ranking state? Because here, here's where things get a little murky, and we have to suss this out. I, I only have a yeah. number five. 
He belongs on the power rankings, but how high? I don't know. We have to figure this out together. Five feels right. Five feels right. He gets tossed. When he gets tossed, uh, the Bama is down by one to Mississippi State. This is a, an Alabama team we've talked about a lot on the show, up and down all season. They can beat anybody. They can lose to anybody. It is, uh, they, they were the original Rutgers kind of, of, yeah. <laughs> of inconsistency. But instead of Rutgers, whereas Rutgers is like month to month inconsistency, Alabama is like four minute stretch to four minute stretch almost. Like it's so, the, it, you have no idea what, what Alabama team you're going to get. So anyway, they're, they're losing a game they should be winning. There's about eight minutes left. They're down by one. As soon as he gets tossed, Mississippi State scores the next six points, okay, which then leads into the under-eight media timeout. So we then get the first timeout where Nate Oates is not talking to his team. He is not in the huddle. Uh, it was uh, uh, Charlie Henry is the guy who stepped in for him and became the new acting head coach for Alabama. After Charlie Henry's first timeout as acting head coach, Tate, Bama goes on an 18-2 to run mm. and puts this game away. So, True leader of men. My question is because I saw a lot of chatter after this that Nate Oates inspired his team. A lot of people, a lot of Bama people were saying this was a Norman Dale move that he purposely got tossed so that Shooter could come in and he could show Shooter, you know, like it was like some sort of orchestrated thing where he was trying to get the team going by getting tossed. I see it a different way. I think maybe there's a chance that, 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 you know, Nate Oates getting the hell out of there was actually good for Bama. I don't know. I'm, you, I, I, I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. It was something to discuss. Uh, but that's that's the reality of what happened. As soon as Nate are, Oates got are you tossed, saying they, Nate Oates is now the number one candidate for the Ewing theory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, there, there there's more to the story. I'll just put it that way. Nate, Oates, Nate yeah. someone did ask Nate Oates, and I think in the post game press conference, did he get tossed on purpose? <laughs> and he said he, he was laughing. He was like, "No, I did." I, he said that was the first time he ever got tossed. He said he's gotten plenty of technical fouls, but he's never gotten. Tossed oh before. no way! He's gotten yeah. tossed before. I think yeah. I remember Nate Oates getting tossed at, Bel- at Buffalo. We need to check the tape on that. Yeah. He's trying to rewrite history. I think he's gotten tossed before. Yeah. I I uh we I love Nate Oates, by the way. I do too. That's I why love, I think I, I remember I, him getting I love tossed. Yeah. yeah. He's a teed up guy. He he gets it. <laughs> he I just, gets it. I just love like he he I mean he, I I think it was last year when he was going in on K that like just it won me over forever. The fact that he just shoots from the hip and doesn't care. And he, he tells the ref, go ahead, toss me. And then he gets tossed and he's talking shit to people on the way out. Uh, I, I saw him turn to like the media table. I don't know what he said or who he said it to, but he's just, I don't, there, there's some about him and I can't explain it. And I understand it's irrational. It makes me a hypocrite because some guys, you, you could, you could have like a handful of other coaches that have the exact same behavior. And I'd be like, this is classless. Clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be, up. you're supposed to be a role yeah. model. Keep like, it together. Is, yeah. Tighten but up, it dude. feels like Nate Oates is he has he's it's all purposeful for whatever reason like and I don't know if it's proximity to Nick Saban but it does feel like he has a master plan you know yeah, everything yeah. that he's doing is orchestrated like you I said do, a Norm yeah. Dale situation there, there's some about him that I trust I don't it, it makes zero sense but uh yeah I mean I'm, I'm fully aware if Chris Mack or Mark <laughs> is it because Turgeon, they beat Gonzaga <laughs> yeah that's what it, but if, if Chris Mack or Mark Turgeon behave this way I would be killing them I'd be like this is this is ridiculous like get, get it yeah. together. You got to tighten up, dude. And, Especially Mark Turgeon. But Nate Oates does it. And yeah, when Mark Turgeon gets in fights with Jawan Howard, you know, and you're like, oh my God, what a loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but if Nate Oates did it, be sick. You're like, like look sick. at Nate Oates. Fired his team up. We love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, I I smell bullshit. I think uh, I think Bama, I, 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 I don't think, I think there's like a retroactive thing where they're saying this fired the team up, all that kind of stuff. I think Nate Oates was, uh, he, he had a moment of weakness. He snapped, he got tossed, and uh, Bama was better for it. And I don't think we should be applauding mm-hmm. him. I think it's fraudulent for him to take credit for that retroactively and say, 
me getting tossed was actually a good thing and it helped the team. False. Fraud. False. Number five, Nate Oates. Yeah, uh, love that. For number four, we're staying in the SEC, Tate. It is a man by the name of Rob Harris. He is the strength coach for the University of Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, he is a man who you might recognize from the the scuffle, the 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 kerfuffle, the... <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to call it a fight. The uh, the the whatever happened on the bench uh, against against Tennessee in Knoxville, Kentucky is up seventeen to fifteen. Tate, when John Fulkerson dives into Kentucky's bench, and an altercation breaks out. Now, this altercation, from my unbiased point of view, I think it's pretty clear that Rob Harris, the Kentucky strength coach, started this. That uh, that yes, uh, Vescovy's running over to to go help up Fulkerson. This this dude comes off of the Kentucky bench, sticks his chest out, and tries to like keep Vescovy yeah. from he getting tr- he, to. He tries to bow up. He tries to yeah. bow up on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tries to get, and then like Vescovy obviously is like, uh, "Dude, please get out of my way! I'm trying to get my teammate." Kind of like touches him. That sets the whole thing off. Everyone goes crazy. Uh, which you know we could talk about that, but what I really wanted to talk about was that that incident leads to Tennessee immediately going on a 15 to one run. <laughs> and for the rest of the game, the game is never within eight points. The rest of the way, Tennessee yeah. is, is well in control of this game. The rest of the way they were down by two. This incident happens 15, one run, put the game away. It's over. I do some research. This guy, Rob Harris Tate, also was ejected from a game against Arkansas in 2017. So he has a pat. He has a, a, a yeah, history. He's of, a repeat offender. He's here. a repeat yeah. offender of uh, <laughs> talking that shit on the bench. Um, and then I was thinking about it too, because the other thing we talked about coming out of that game, cause like Tennessee beats Kentucky's ass. And we were just like, man, there's not a ton to break down with, with this, except for that, that fight that seemed to, to turn the game on the head or the altercation. It was really a fight, uh, turns the game on its head. And then also Ty Ty Washington is hurt again. And then I started yeah. putting it together and I was like, oh my God, isn't, couldn't you argue that the, that the job of the strength coach Tate is to keep guys from getting hurt, to get them in the right strength and conditioning, to keep them not injury prone. So you're saying it's double. It's double. It's a double whammy, dude. I'm saying that Ty Ty Washington getting hurt every damn game is also this dude's fault. I'm saying that that Kentucky, I I looked it up, Kentucky, uh, uh, Oscar Shibway and Kellen Grady are the only two guys on Kentucky to play in every single Kentucky game this year. They have two players that have played in every single game. Every other guy on that roster has missed time. Connect the dots, dude. There's something going on. <laughs> He's going to, I mean, this, this was, this is for, I mean, I, I mean, number four is honestly, I could, I wouldn't be shocked if he was number one. I mean, yeah. I, that, that proves to me that we have some real frauds. We have, we have a strong, all those numbers ranking. and all that heads up. That's not good. I hope coach cow doesn't hear that. He's we, not cow's guy of the week. Also, uh, I completely forgot about this until I was looking up injuries. Um, CJ Frederick's been out like the entire year for Kentucky. Remember he him? He is out for the whole year. Yeah. 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 They, they they were like they said that they were like they said that at the start the of the year yeah I, I mean I yeah. knew that but I'm saying like I forgot about it until like you know because when, when you, you talk about the guys not playing for Kentucky it's Shaden Sharp I mean that's the that's the conversation yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. I forgot that CJ Frederick transferred from Iowa and went to Kentucky and when he was at Iowa his strength and conditioning coach said he was in great condition and strength. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, I'm uh, uh, no Rob Harris is on the list for the uh, the confrontation more than anything else. I mean you you it's plain as day. You're up 17 15. Yeah, you started the, you ignited the run. You ignited the run. There you go. Yeah. So number four Rob Harris. Uh, number three on the fraud power rankings, Chris Beard. 
Mm. Uh, there's there's a two prong thing with Chris Beard right now too, Tate. There's a there he got into a confrontation of his own after the Oklahoma game. Texas beats Oklahoma in overtime. Rivalry game. Every rivalry. Every game Texas plays in is a rivalry game. That's what I'm learning about Texas in the Big Twelve. Everybody hates him. Um, Texas goes on the road. Norman beats Oklahoma in overtime. As Chris Beard's walking off the court, an Oklahoma fan calls him a traitor, yells at him, and says, "You're a traitor." He he stops dead in his tracks, turns and goes and says, "God knows what" to the kid. <laughs> Shakes his hand and says, "You're absolutely right." I'm, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like, like that. yeah, kid. Do you know how much? Do you know how many millions I'm making now? <laughs> Worth it. Um, so there's that, but that's not what puts him on the fraud powering state. It's this that word breaks today that the the uh, so the, the Texas Tech Texas rematch is happening this weekend on Saturday. Uh, the yes. t- Texas Tech is in, now going yes. to Austin. In Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Word breaks today that Texas has stopped selling tickets to the public because this is this isn't their part. This is now my part. Um, there is a fear that Texas Tech fans are buying all the tickets and they want to come give Chris Beard the exact same treatment they gave him in Lubbock a couple weeks ago. Uh, So now to combat that, Texas is no longer selling tickets to the public. Texas officials have confirmed that they, uh, I'm I'm reading this, remaining seats have been promised to UT students only who have a big ticket athletic pass. That's that's what they're doing with these remaining seats is they're giving them their students. Chris Beard is is doing a press conference where he's like calling on students to come to the game. Um, I, I, I don't know how you read it any other way than like Texas Tech is very obviously in this man's head. I mean, he, he can he can pretend he's not rattled all he wants. He's he, the, and so I, my my one thought is like it's very clear that they're in his head. My other thought is like is this ever going to end? Because I mean Texas is going to the SEC and I guess they don't have to play Tech at that point. But I until that happens, I don't know what the out is because I don't see like this being because I I think there might have been a feeling that when when Beard goes back to Lubbock, they get it over with, wipe your hands. All right, all right, all right. We're like you guys are fine. I didn't even mean to do the Matthew McConaughey there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he, you guys have your program. I'm now at Texas. So you got mine. Like we're we're all better off for it. That it, you know, let's bury the hatchet and move on. Yeah, yeah. That is cease not fire. the case. There's no mm-hmm. ceasefire. The tech fans mm-hmm. are not going to ever ceasefire. We know no. that about them. And no. uh, I'm 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 just fascinated to see how this continues to play out because the more it feels like Beard and Texas try to stop things from happening the more you're inviting it to happen. You know what I mean? What, one of my Red Raider fr- friends, I reached out to her, uh, you know, for the first game. And she said, the first thing she said back to me, wait till Austin. <laughs> so like, I mean, this is not, this was a pre-planned. Th- I mean, they, they, they planned to ruin his time there. Um, like you said, I mean, it, it, like they are choosing violence. You know what I mean? Like it, over I think and he over thought, and over again. They're <laughs> yes, choosing every it. single time, every single time, 100 out of 100 times, the Red Raider fans. And all I see in my head is old town road playing and, and them just like yes. with the finger guns in the crowd. They get their cowboy and they're fired up. Yeah. Yeah. They want Chris Beard. Um, and honestly, I think they wish they played Chris Beard in Texas every game. Like they would, they would sign up for that. And Chris Beard is the opposite, and this is gonna haunt him. And it, you know, there's always like a reason why the Texas experiment doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every single time you bring in a good coach, it could be this is the reason. Like Texas Tech never relents, and it hangs over his entire tenure there. We get and the, that's what they want. Chris Beard gets the uh, like Chris Mack treatment in a few years, where we're just like, how what what went wrong? How did it not work out? Like when he hired when he was hired, yeah. there it was a slam dunk, and it was obvious they were going to do big things. I wonder what happened. And you're, you're saying we know what happened. 
what happened yeah. is is Texas Tech is in his head. The Red Raiders are literally running his mind. Yeah, they they have you know as the kids say, rent free. You know what I mean? The Red Raiders are rent free in Chris Beard's head. <laughs> Remember you how? Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Jordan, a uh, dude named Jordan who DM me, the Texas Tech guy, uh, reminded me that uh, Chris Beard waited until, because I, I, I was trying to remember all the reasons that they hate Chris Beard. It's not just that he went to Texas. He was like recruiting guys. He was trying to recruit guys away from Tech to Texas. Um, yeah, Mac McClung. Yeah, that's right. Um, but there was also that he waited until literally the exact day that his buyout dropped. Texas and uh, Texas and him waited to announce the hire until his buyout dropped by a million dollars in April. It was like April Fool's Day, I think. On April April first, yeah. his buyout drops, and he waited until then to take the job, specifically because of the drop buyout. It, like I, I don't know, like which which isn't really that big of a deal. But like if you're really trying, if if you're going from Texas Tech to Texas and you want to leave Texas Tech in a good spot, and you're like, it's not you. It's just that like I went to Texas. I want to go back home. Whatever. You wouldn't screw them over. You wouldn't more, screw yeah. them over. You wouldn't be looking for he reasons was, to screw them. He over. He was screwing them over out yes. on the way out. Yeah. Yes. And that's what they they can never forgive that. They're like, not only are you stabbing me in the back, now you are like continuing to just turn the knife in my back. He, he leave me alone. He got in the getaway car and took off, and he was like throwing grenades behind him as he left. Yes. And then, yes. and then he got a flat tire like a mile down the road. Now all the tech fans and he needed some help. He's like waving down. He's, he's waving like, down the tech fans. He's like, help me out. And, and it's a truck full of tech fans that pull up. And like, you need some help, buddy? Yeah. 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 Uh, on Old Town Road. Yeah. It's over. That's a, on Old Town Road. Uh, all right. Number two on the fraud power rankings. This one's tough. I, I don't like this. I don't even want to say this, but uh, it is what it is. Number two on the fraud power rankings is God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what you did might, he do? Is, you this, might is, remember, this is this Friars related? <laughs> you might remember not too long ago when the atheists were put on the fraud power rankings. Yes. The atheists are now cackling. The the atheists are winning. Uh, it is God who is who has proven to be fraudulent as of late. Uh, as you said, there's there's the the Providence loss to Villanova, the biggest mm. Um, the biggest game in the history of the Dunkin' Donuts Center, a top 10 tilt, mm, a top and, 10 tilt, and uh, Providence loses to Villanova. And they kept like we talked about on the last show, but Providence just kept like they, they, they it looked like they kept waiting for that magic moment to happen. Colin Gillespie gets wide open, Providence, it was angels in the outfield, but the angels never yes. came. Yeah, Providence get, lets Colin Gillespie get wide open, and it looks like they're saying to themselves, We don't need to get a hand up because we're good. <laughs> Like we're we're good. This is gonna work out for us. And then Colin Gillespie yes. splashes a three, and they're like, "Wait a second, that's not supposed to happen." So there's that, but there's also this Tate. Uh, so right now, as we're recording that, we're recording this on Thursday night. Um, Oregon State is playing uh, Arizona. They are down by twenty. Uh, it is the under eight timeout. I assume Arizona is going to hold on to win. We're going to go ahead and work on the assumption that Arizona is going to yeah. hold, hang on to beat. Unless they're the New York Knicks, I think they're going to win that game. And when this game goes final, Tate, the Oregon State Beavers are going to fall to three and twenty-one on the season. Three and twenty-one, and Whew. I I wanted to bring this up because uh, I saw Arizona's playing Oregon State tonight. I, they're on Pac-12 Network, so I didn't watch a second of it. Obviously, it's on Pac-12 Network, but I, I it, it jumped out to me, and I was like, I wonder how good Oregon State is. Is this like a could this be a surprise? I know they suck this year, but like, how bad are they? I did not realize that they had only won three games. I did not realize it was that bad. The reason this jumps out to me, Tate, is because, as you might remember, last season, the Oregon State Beavers made the Elite Eight. Yeah. 
They made the Elite Eight. They brought back three starters. Three dudes that came off the bench for them came back. They they you know they lost Ethan Thompson, who was their best player, but they 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 brought enough guys back that like if you're trying to build a winning culture, you could you have a locker room full of guys that went to the Elite Eight last year. You would think that that they won the Pac-12 tournament. They went to. You'd think there'd be someone in there who's like, hey, you know, maybe we're not gonna make the NCAA tournament, but we're gonna win more than three games. Like this is unacceptable. Let's step it up. So you're asking yourself now, how does God factor into this tape? That that might be what yeah. you're asking. You're like, okay, I get it. Oregon State sucks. Why does that make God a fraud? I'm gonna tell you why. There was a man last year by the name of Bud Ossie, who was the sister gene of the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> He was 101 years old. What what happened to Bud? He's 101 years old. Uh, When Oregon State played Loyola, we we got to know him really well. And they said he outworked Sister Jean. He outworked Sister Jean. And Bud Ossie was the good luck charm. And Oregon State goes on this run to the Elite Eight, their their first Elite Eight since what, the 80s, (laughs) I want to say, since 1982. Um, the only time they've ever done it in the, I mean, 85, the tournament expanded. So this is the first time since the tournament expanded they ever made the Elite Eight. Bud Ossie was there to watch it all. Fast forward this year, they've won three games. What the hell happened? Bud Ossie, tragically, in July, passed away, Tate. Oh, my gosh. And I finally connected the dots this morning as I was... They're nothing I was, as without I was, Bud. I was trying They're to... nothing without Bud. I was trying to figure out what happened to Oregon State basketball because that was... A, like, last year, that run... You point to that and you say, uh, "You build on this. This is this is this is great for the program. You take this, you move into next year. You, you know, you're not going to go to the lead eight next year, but you're going to like get some positive program momentum." The exact opposite happened, and uh, I think it's because God called Bud Ossie home, and I think that's that's why we have to to call that out. So I I. I I don't know, dude. That's the that really that's the only explanation. I don't understand how you go to the lead eight. <laughs> like and, the, and Bud. Uh, Bud Ossie, I mean, he was he's in the Engineering Hall of Fame at OSU, and yeah. the headline when you Google him, it, he went out on top. That's yeah. literally the, the quote. I mean, he he literally he was he was the spirit of this team. Oregon State learned. won, uh, so they what they they won three games in the NCAA tournament last year, right? That's how you get yeah. to the Elite Eight. They won mm-hmm. three games in the NCAA tournament, and they've won three. And they games got in because they won the Pac-12 tournament. I mean yeah. that was, I mean that that was the other crazy part. They were a 12 seed, and then they made this magical run, and they're nothing without Bud. They're nothing without Bud. So uh, God took Bud from us way too soon at the at the young old age of young at the young old at the at the ripe young age of uh, 101, I think it was that he yeah that he passed away. But at least he um, beat Sister Jean, though. I mean that was the that was the last. I mean he went out on top. He did I mean, go out on that's top. That's all you got to remember. That's number two on the list. Uh, how do we top that? How do you top putting God at number two on the fraud power rankings? I'm going to tell you how, Tate. I have, in all my years of doing this, I'm not sure I have uh, had as many nominees to the fraud power rankings as I have with number one. Uh, a lot of friends, a lot of family, very upset. Mm-hmm. I, I promised them all that I would include this on the fraud power rankings, that we would we would get justice, Tate. Yeah. At number one, the race to 69. As the Indiana Hoosiers take a 69-66 lead after Xavier Johnson gets the uh, Trey Galloway brick, lays it in yeah, with a little, like, what was it, two minutes left, I want to say. Wisconsin then closes the game on an 8-0 run to win. Uh, I, I all all of my Indiana friends and family are stunned by this. They're like, we we demand an explanation from Tate. We were promised if you win the race the form, to sixty nine, the, the algorithm will prevail. What the hell happened? 
I have no yeah. answers to them. I just wanted to say, like, I, on behalf of the show, I'm sorry, but also it's I take full responsibility, <laughs> but it's not my fault. It's Tate's thing. The race of 69 uh, is Tate's thing. So it, it works 69% of the time. And uh, that that's the unfortunate part about the race of 69. And also the race of 69 is, you know, it's kind of tied to ball. Don't lie. The ball will dictate how this plays out. And when you brick shots that badly, <laughs> I think I think. I think the he won the race on a on a false you know like oh. a bad shot you know what I mean like the shot was so bad that he obviously got a bucket on it but I don't think it should have counted you know what I mean because it was such a brick and it was so fortunate that I don't even think it counted for the race of sixty nine honestly and I think the ball did not lie and it made sure to work that out but Indiana fans I'm sorry I mean usually the race always works like I said sixty nine percent of the time. It works 100% of the time. And this time, the brick, it, it was too... It, you could not overcome that brick. You know what I mean? And I love Trey Galloway. I You know I like the guy. I like the guy a lot. But you hit that backboard like that, Titus, six feet to the right of the basket. What are you going to do? You can't win the race. But also, the race deserves to be on the front. Because I was broken. My mom went to sleep. She was like, I went to sleep when Indiana won the race in 69, and I woke up and they lost. What Did happened? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so now, you're letting, now you're letting your mom down, you know, I'm let, I'm you, everybody down. You've let the whole. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but really it comes down to Trey Galloway. I mean, can we get this man in the gym and can we go work out with him and work on his shot? So you're saying you're saying if Indiana on that shot, if Trey Galloway hits the just splashes, the three. Yeah. To give them seven points. Game. They win they that win game. game. But instead mm-hmm. it was Xavier Johnson picks up the scraps, lays it in. It was a little. So you're saying the. Indiana winning the race to 69 was in and of itself fraudulent. It was a little fraudulent how they won. It was an act. Yeah. They they would not have won that race unless he bricked it that badly. And a brick that bad cannot be rewarded by winning the race. You know what I mean? It all canceled each other out. That's what happened. I apologize to Indiana fans. You hate to see it. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you have it. That, you, you weaseled your way out of the one nicely. That was a nice uh, That was a nice explanation. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, do some cleanup duty, uh, have some fun talking. to. I, I want to talk to you about the uh, NBA draft a little bit because uh, you, okay. you mentioned that Chet is – you brought up a big board earlier, and then you, you've, you've been talking to me about Chet a little bit more, and uh, – I don't know. We we got to check in on on Tate's big board because you can't. It's easy to it's easy to attack other people's big boards, but let's take a look at <laughs> no, your I, big board. Yeah, I got I got my boards behind me. Don't worry, <laughs> I'll bring it out. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, hit, hit some fun stuff. Quick break to talk about our friends at Edmonds. Buying a car in 2022 a huge pain in the ass. Everybody knows this. You're, even if you're not even looking for a car, you know this. This is this is national news. So supply chain issues, chip issues, whatever else. It's just it's become a complete mess. It was always no fun. Now it's become even worse. But thankfully, it doesn't have to be that bad because Edmund is here to go the extra mile to make car buying easier by providing shoppers with honest car reviews, video test drives, online shopping tools, and the latest consumer advice. And that is helpful because the current car shortage means that some models are harder to find. Some are more expensive than usual. You might have an idea of how much a car costs, and then you go to the dealership, and they're just like, you know, giving you the runaround as as dealerships will do to you. It is a very, very confusing process. But Edmonds goes beyond just listing vehicles for sale. Edmonds homepage has car rankings compiled by their review editors. From there, shoppers can pick top-ranked vehicles and do a side-by-side comparison by clicking on the compare 
box. Over 50 years of trusted car shopping advice and price guidance all in one place. Edmunds unbiased research, reviews, and industry expertise help empower car shoppers to make the best decisions. Edmunds has free online tools to help you compare vehicles and dealer quotes, figure out your budget and financing, and get an appraisal for your trade-in. Car shopping can be overwhelming. Edmunds is here to help. Visit Edmunds.com and click on Edmunds Best Car Rankings to research and compare vehicles. That's E-D-M-U-N-D-S dot com. Edmunds, we drive it like it is. Also want to talk about our friends at Coors Light. What can I say about Coors Light? I haven't already said a million times, Dave. You know how much I love Coors Light. Our listeners know how much I love Coors Light. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy to report that a lot of the cool kids, I don't want to name names because I don't know how comfortable they are with it, but a lot of, uh, maybe if you listen to some other podcasts out there that talk about sports, I'm happy to report after hanging out with some of those people, they're all Coors Light drinkers. So this is what the cool kids do. If you're a cool kid, you drink Coors Light because Coors Light is the only beer. It, it is, I mean, it's perfect. In a word, it is perfect, Tate. There's literally only one beer out there made to chill, and it is Coors Light. The mountains and the bottles and cans even turn blue. When your beer is cold, that way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Although, I got to say, Tate, I looked this up. Coors Light does not sponsor Daytona. They they don't they don't have a NASCAR anymore. I think Sterling Marlin was the end of it. They... they because then like Miller Coors, I think they had the Miller Light car back in the day, but then I, I don't know. But uh, we got to get Coors Light back in NASCAR because I'm going down to Daytona and you better believe what's in that cooler. The mountains will be blue. They will be flowing. Coors Lights will be flowing. Coors Light is the one I, I choose when I need to unwind. So you, you, when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash T ampersand T. Celebrate responsibly Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, let's do uh, Big Ten Stat of the Week, Tate. Big Ten Stat of the Week brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your credit card, Discover believes in having real people available 24-7 to help answer your questions. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Uh, do you want to go first? you want me to go first? I can go first. Mine's pretty simple, okay. and uh, it's pretty easy. And this is my Big Ten Stat of the Week, and it's courtesy of Fox College Basketball. You know, I'm a company Wait, what? man. Yeah, yeah. So they, they put this graphic together for us. And these are Big Ten players to average 17-plus points Eight plus rebounds and two plus blocks since 1996-97. Okay, okay. Yeah. Say, say it again. Yeah, I'm so going to guess the players. Okay, these are the Big Ten players to average 17 plus points, eight plus rebounds, and two plus blocks since 1996-97. And again, these are okay. just Big Ten players. Uh, and I'll start you with the first one. Jawan Johnson, 2010-2011. He's yep. the first guy on the list. And then okay. from there, you got three more. So four guys have done this, and this is your Big Ten stat of the week. Okay. Uh, two current players okay. in the Big Ten. By two the current players. Yes. Uh, the two current players. Blocks was a big one, right? So I'm mm-hmm. going to do two is plus it, blocks. Is it, is it EJ Liddell and Trace Jackson Davis? One for two there. Trace Jackson Davis is on this list. So Trace Jackson Davis, Jawan Johnson, two more to go. Another current Wait, player in the Big Ten. EJ, what, what, what were the benchmarks? 17, 8, and two blocks? Yeah. Since 1996, 97. He might have like one point uh, seven blocks again. Yeah, it's probably at one point. It's probably slipping in that regard. <laughs> um, shoot, 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 shoot. It's another top Draymond, ten pick. Dr- Draymond didn't average two blocks. It's not, not Draymond. It's not it's Draymond. Not Draymond. Um, the current player is a top ten pick on Sam Vecini's draft board, by the way. So there you go. That that might be a hint. It's so obviously it's not Kofi Coburn, um, who is fifty seven. Oh, Johnny Davis. <laughs> not Johnny Davis either. It's Keegan Murray. It's Keegan Murray. All right. On the list. All right. And then All right. The, and the last one's a real tough one, honestly. I, I I don't think anyone would have known this, but Daniel Oturu um for Minnesota. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. had a run there where they had just 
a ton of shot blockers and um 2011 and two and a half blocks per game for Oturo in uh, 2019 2020 so there you go those are your four guys to average 17 eight rebounds and two blocks since 1996-97 in the Big Ten that's your Big Ten stat of the week two blocks so two blocks is uh, a stat line that feels like it's not that much when you say it. it's like two blocks I, I could get I think like I honestly, I need to look this up now because I think there might have been a game where I had two blocks in a game. I'm not even shitting. I'm not even kidding. I, like I really that. think I'm going to pull up my own. <laughs> is, the, is this the first time I've ever done this on on the air? Pulled up my own game <laughs> log? I really do think I had a game where I had two blocks. I believe you. I think if you think that, you had to. Uh, you know what I mean? Shit, I can't find I had two blocks in 2007. Anyway, uh, I, I did. I did. It was against... What? It's not loading? Conspiracy, dude. Conspiracy. Do they wait? Big, <laughs> Big Tech is at it again. Why won't my game log load? It won't load. Uh, I think I had two blocks against like Eastern Kentucky. Whatever. Who cares? Point is, I was going to say, is like two blocks doesn't feel like it's that much because it's like it's two plays that you, you know? Yeah. But then you like actually start looking back on stats and, and even looking at current stats, like guys that are averaging two blocks. It's very, very difficult to do. And uh, that's, a, that's a weird one. That's always a weird one because it feels like. If you told me Johnny Davis was averaging like three blocks a game, I'd be like, I, I, I mean, see it, it sounds sounds kind of high, but like I see it. I don't know. The yeah, guy's yeah, athletic. Yeah. I'm sure he's. I think <laughs> he's the only guy averaging three blocks a there. game is Walker Kessler. Yeah. Unfortunately. Chet Holmgren, probably. Yeah. Probably Chet. Yeah. Chet, how many Chet's is, at how, least two. Chet's at least two. It might be. How many is uh, Walker actually averaging? I mean, Walker Kessler must be averaging like five I, a game. I was going to say Kessler's probably like 4.6, and I think Chet's like 2.8. You know what I mean? I think Chet's like right on three. He's close to three. Walker Kessler is Walker I'm Kessler four point six. Uh, final answer, four point seven. There you go. And Chet is uh, three point three. Oh wow! There Above you go. Three. That's shocking. Um. All right. Here's my uh my my big yeah, ten stat of the day it comes to you from uh Jared Burson, who's an ESPN researcher researcher. He's also a Michigan man, so he's got he's a, it's a double whammy. He, he's he's on the wrong team twice there, but uh shout out to him nonetheless for for <laughs> pulling this out. Uh, Wisconsin's Johnny. This is the stat. Which Johnny Davis went nuts uh, in in Assembly Hall tape. He he finished with thirty points and twelve boards. He is the second player ever to score thirty points in road wins at Mackey Arena and Assembly Hall in the same season, joining Michigan State Sam Vincent in 1984-85. Now I was going to go with that stat as my stat of the day. That has now become the honorable mention because in the follow up to this. Uh, Jared Burson replies to his own tweet, and he says this, Tate, that Wisconsin is the first team to win on the road at Assembly Hall, at Mackey Arena, and at the Breslin Center mm. in the same season since Ohio State in 2009-2010, which was my senior year. So say, say uh, that, I that. got excited when I read that. When say I read that, that I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> that's I, that's I said, a big tip out of the week right there. Yeah, I read that. I was like, "Oh, cool! That's awesome." We what 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 do we do again? What was it that we did? We, <laughs> oh, cool! Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I remember computer. that. That's I remember like, we did that. Yeah, that was sick, sick, dude. Yeah, I remember we got a ring for it. I got. I still wear my ring around that says we we <laughs> won at Assembly Hall Mackey Arena. Hang the banner. That's the final <laughs> act. Hey, um, I saw. Speaking of Johnny Davis, I've I've been seeing uh. The, the the Johnny Davis National Player of the Year campaign is revving back up. Would yeah, you, I think do you, it is. I feel like every time we talk about National Player of the Year, I just say it's Oscar and we move on. Like, I guess, what, what are your thoughts on it? Have you, Fulkerson, have you, uh, Fulkerson folked up his campaign. Fulkerson did. Fulkerson heard the Oscar Sheboy campaign because on the same night, we talked about this. I mean, on the same night, my man had 30 points, Johnny Davis, in Assembly Hall. 
And that was, you know, got heads turning, got people back. You know, Kofi's not really, you know, he, he's had some games that are kind of some snoozers. So Johnny checks the boxes. You know what I mean? He's Johnny basketball. I think, yeah. I, I, uh, every time we talk about this, I feel like I just give my thoughts and then you just kind of nod along. And, uh, cause, cause I haven't really felt like it's much of a controversy. I thought like Oscar is, um, Oscar's you know, like supposed I, to be the guy. Oscar, I thought, like, kind of distanced himself. And I still think it's Oscar. Um, but it is interesting because I th- what's happened, you, you're exactly right. The fact that these two games happened at the same time, or on the same night, I mean, that Johnny Davis takes over and wins it for uh, for for the Badgers in, in uh, Assembly Hall on the same night that, that Kentucky gets smacked by Tennessee. It's it, it it goes to show how important the the uh, seizing the moment type stuff is like how how important the narrative because if Oscar Sheboy has not had an off night all season Tate like we should say that about this man he is not he did not play poorly against Tennessee he 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 has not played poorly ever when when Oscar Sheboy has a bad night he 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 finishes with like eleven points and twelve rebounds every single night this is what he does it's it's absolutely unbelievable here here's another uh, Jared Burson stat I found by the way Oscar Sheboy. Every single game this season has led the entire game, not just his own team or the other team. Every mm-hmm. single person on the floor, Oscar Sheway, every time he's been on the floor, has led the entire game in rebounds, except for one occasion when Ty Ty Washington had 12 rebounds and Oscar Sheway had 10. Every other game that Oscar Sheway's played in, he's led the entire game in rebounds. Mm-hmm. So even when he's like, and he, 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 has, he doesn't have off night shooting because he doesn't take a ton of shots and he, he knows like how to score and be efficient with it. You know, like he's only scoring when he knows he can score. He's yeah. not out there taking heat check shots. And I find that fascinating because Johnny Davis just against Seth Lundy and Penn State just had four points and was like one or two for 13 or whatever his stat line. He had an awful game against Penn State. Yeah. But then he follows it up with a 30-point game. And it's just like a, a, a difference of opinion that like Oscar Sheba has just been steady the entire season. Doesn't really wow you. I, like, I, and, and I suddenly started finding myself, Tate, I guess this is why I wanted to talk about this because I found myself back in the 2020 season, Luca Garza versus Obi Toppin, and I realized that what Johnny Davis has going for him that Oscar Sheboy does not is he has the cool shit coefficient is what I call it. Yeah, the, he's uh, got a between the legs dunk. You know what I mean? If he goes between the legs and dunks it, he's my <laughs> national player of the year without yeah. question. That's his um, final act. That's how he gets you <laughs> to finally buy in. <laughs> So when you're doing the when you're doing the algorithm, you got to factor in like Johnny Davis going nuts at the end of the game at IU and stuff. You know, like Oscar Shuboy doesn't do that. He doesn't. He's not the guy at the. If Kentucky is down three with two minutes left, it's not like Cal's calling timeout to get Oscar the ball. And yeah, it's I don't a know. Tie tie Wheeler, you know Mitchell conversation. No, it's, it's interesting. A fasc- I mean, it's a it's fascinating a, yeah. argument because it, it really is the. It really it's hard for Oscar like, to have the flash unless he gets like twenty eight rebounds, which I don't think that's going to happen in SEC play. You know what I mean? And maybe it does, and maybe that's the game that kind of secures you know his whole campaign. But I think the, da- like it, the it, doubt is lingering. You know what I mean? It's leaving room yeah. for someone else to kind of step in. It does. It feels like a repeat of twenty twenty, but the difference, I guess, is Sheboy. Unlike Garza, Sheboy's on an actually. National title continued team. I, I I guess Iowa was very good that year, but no one thought Iowa was gonna you know no, with go to title. Final Four, win a title. Obi Obi could have won the title. Obi could have won the title. Um, and also Oscar is a better defender than than Luca is. Luca Garza yeah. was. So uh, it's not a it's not a one to one comparison, but it is the uh the the comparison of like just the slow and steady guy that just puts up monster numbers night after night. The big dude versus the the flashy dude that like is just like I listen. I don't. 
I don't need to see numbers. I I, yeah. I saw that cool shit that just happened in front of me. That's all I needed to see. Yeah, that was that's enough. my national player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my guy. I mean, so even that's Agba- my- I thought Agbaji at one point was going to have more of a campaign, and maybe you know he gets pushed up a little bit, but it does feel like maybe it's going to get to a two man race here soon. Uh, that's my advice to Johnny Davis, though. If you want to win this thing, you just go between your legs, and it's over. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's the just final d- move. Go between your legs and dunk it one time, and uh, the trophy's yours. <laughs> Respect. Uh, what, what about your big board? Let's do that, and then we'll wrap it up with some shout-outs. Because uh, we, <sighs> you said the other day in passing, as we were talking about something else, you just mentioned quickly that Chet Holmgren is your new number one. And I feel like that's a sentiment that is shared by a lot of people um, now. Which just yeah. like going from national player of the year discussion to the number one pick, it's all the same stuff of like, there's, <laughs> there's been a thousand people that have been at the top. Yeah. The guys who keep falling off the top aren't even playing poorly. It's just like another guy is playing better and it just keeps cycling through. Um, so that's it right now. Like right, right now, as it stands today on, what is it? February 17th. Yeah. You think Chet's number one, no longer I- Jabari Smith, even though Jabari has not, sucked in the slightest since we last checked in on this stuff i think the last time we checked in it was a three-man race and we were talking about bancaro uh you know probably being that guy because he went head-to-head against chet and then jabari smith kind of jumped into the conversation and now i'm officially saying it's a two-man race it's not a three-man race it's a two-man race it's between Jabari Smith. It's between Chet Holmgren. And the interesting part about this is whoever is the whoever gets the number one pick, if we're talking about the Pistons or the Magic, whoever is one or two, if the Pistons are one, the Pistons are going to take Jabari Smith number one. If the Magic are number one, they're going to take Chet, Chet Holmgren number one. You know what I mean? So like the Whoa. number one pick is actually dependent on who gets the number one pick. So it's a it, as we joke about one A one B situations. This is literally a one A one B type scenario in the NBA this season. I think the big board Vicini has home grid number one because he has this little stat. And the last twelve games, he's shooting sixty one percent from the field, fifty five percent from three. You know, I mean, uh, he that's checks actually all, insane. It's that's insane. actually insane. That's, it's insane. That's what I mean. He checks like he's such a freak of nature that you have to inquire about him at number one. And I think last year, a lot of people had Evan Mobley maybe as number one on their board because he was that kind of freak of nature and they didn't pull the trigger as they would have in the past. You know what I mean? And a lesson right. was maybe learned because he's obviously the rookie of the year and has Cleveland, you know, contending potentially for the East. So Chet Holmgren he does that you know what I mean he's fascinating in that sense but I think if Detroit gets the number one pick Jabari fits their team more so than Chet and if Chet and Suggs end up in Orlando together that's that's good for the NBA you know what I mean like that'll be fun yeah it will be fun I I uh I was watching Chet last night against Pepperdine and I I understand it's Pepperdine and they're playing in a high school gym and you know it's I I, it's we love that high school gym yeah, yeah, it's great. High, no, yeah, one of the best high school gyms in the country, um, outside the state of Indiana. But uh, <laughs> it, he 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 he's unlike anything I've seen. And and like he's, I'm not saying he's the Durant of college basketball because I he he does stuff that like he's a better defender than than Durant was. He, the the way he blocks shots and his instincts yeah. and he's not he, he it feels like he's a completely different player. And um, I don't know, dude. He he's. I, I was I was someone who wasn't necessarily a a, a hater or a, a non-believer, but um, you know, like I, I didn't watch him a ton when he was in high school, and I didn't watch him a ton, you know, leading into Gonzaga and then the preseason stuff and whatever AAU circuits and all that stuff. Um, so when I first you first see him at Gonzaga, he's feeling out his way. 
he it, it does jump out to you immediately how skinny he is. Uh, and he's and, twenty you know, pounds lighter than Evan Mobley. The scouts say all the you know like all the scouts are still high on him, and they promise it's not going to be a concern at the next level. But like your brain, having watched basketball your entire life, you're watching. You're him, like, you're it like has, I don't you're care like what everyone else. Said. Point, it has yeah. to matter. It has to. <laughs> you're going to get broken in half. Um, but then you watch him play, and you just like throughout the season, and the the way he slowly like figured out his role in this team, which is like. I'll just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's gotten more aggressive, but like selectively aggressive um, on, on both ends of the floor. He's been, he's been incredible to watch. And I think, I think there are a lot of people that checked out on Gonzaga after the Duke game, probably that are going to be very surprised at how good Chet Holmgren has gotten between then and where he's at now, when they finally check back in and March madness and they're like, Holy shit, who's this guy? You know, absolutely. Um, That's what I mean. I think he's so, he's impressed me more. You know, as the season has worn on, which I didn't necessarily know was going to be the case. You know what I mean? He he gets it. And, and, and as much as I laugh when people say someone's a two way player, because what other player? I mean, you hope to God they're a two way player. But Jaden he, Ivey, he's not a two way player. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing on defense. Well, there you go. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I, I hope whoever I draft is a two way player because I want to win. So yeah. I want them to play defense. So I mean, Chet Holmgren does check that box too. So. Yeah, I like it. But then, so yeah, but 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 Jabari is so the the reason I don't know Jabari could still go number one. You're saying yes, you still think Jabari? If Detroit, the if Detroit has the number one pick, they're taking Jabari Smith. When I when I talked to the NBA, that that was what the NBA told me. They <laughs> the said NBA told you the Pistons are going to take Jabari. Who Smith are you taking? One. Who who if, if you're if if the Hornets get the number one pick and they call you Jabari Smith, like, you still like Jabari more than Chet? Yes. Okay, if I if I want to, because I want a guy that can, you know, I, I mean, I think Jabari, he could, Jabari could be like a top thirty all time NBA scorer. I think if, if he really is put in the right situation, and you know what I mean, I, I think he could be an all time scorer in the NBA, and I think Chet could be an all time talent. He could be very unique and impact. You know what I mean? But I'm gonna go for the guy who can get me thirty points potentially a night. Jabari definitely feels more known to me, like in terms of I've I my brain can comprehend what he's doing, and I don't know if that's good or bad because, uh, yeah, I, I I admittedly the every time I try to watch NBA these days, I'm like I don't even really recognize what the sport is anymore, yeah. which you know says more about me than the NBA. I understand that, but um, it's yeah. it's the the divide is yeah, I know. the divide is slowly growing more and more between the maybe not even slowly NBA and college and like the basketball that I think I know and the game is passing me by so it's like trying to figure out like how these guys translate to the next level and you know it's it's becoming more difficult for me but yeah. uh, when I watch Jabari I see like like that guy is great and it, like it makes sense to me as I said like with Chet he's he's so much he's so skinny and like the way he approaches the game is like a little different. It, it's very much a new age type. I yeah. don't know. I'm getting lost in the weeds here. No, but you're, but you're trying, right. to, trying to suss out the differences. Yeah. Like Chet, Chet to me feels like more of the gamble, even though he's like the better prospect and he's taller and he's longer and all that. Yeah. It's like my brain can't, can't comprehend it. Jabari, I watch him play. I'm like, that dude is good as hell. That's a, that I don't need to see anything else. I, I'm sold I, on him. Which I think is the argument that like between, that's why I say one team would take Jabari and the other one would take Chet. I think Orlando looks at Chet and they're John Hammond's their GM. And John Hammond is the guy who drafted Giannis, drafted John Henson, drafted all Thon Maker, all these guys, a wingspan. So like when he sees Chet Holmgren, 
I mean, he, he's like salivating. You know what I mean? He's like, I, I that is who we want to come down here. Yes, six ten and seven foot wingspan is amazing, but I want the seven foot six wingspan and the right. freakish guy who looks like he's an alien. Yeah, I want him to come to Orlando. So that that's why Chet's so fascinating because he's so unique and different. And obviously, I mean, he is going to have an impact. And if he went to Orlando and you have Suggs and you have Franz and you have Cole Anthony, I mean, they have a lot of young guys that are, you know fascinating really i'm basically the guy that doesn't uh when when something comes along that completely changes everything and revolutionizes everything and all that i'm the guy that uh would would tell henry ford what what's the saying like we if henry ford would have just tried to make faster horses instead of making the car or whatever whatever that that analogy is i'm the guy that's like trying to find the fastest horse (laughs) still yeah yeah you, I'm not the yeah. scout that's out there trying to like invent, invent a new car and all that. And, and to me, Jabari Smith is the fastest horse. And I'm like, that's that's a horse I know well. Yeah. And I would like to ride that horse. I'm getting lost with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you're right. And then the, the other shocking part of all this, I can't, is that- I can't comprehend like a guy that <laughs> that I've never seen anything like this before. You know, and I, I and, and yeah. people are going to draw comparisons to obviously Durant's the obvious one because he's Chet Holmgren's skinny and Durant's poor, skinny. So poor Zingas, really. Poor yeah. Zingas, another one. But they're not. It's it like the way he, he's different. He's different than both those guys. He's he's I you know Durant at the college level was like far more aggressive offensively and was looking for his shots so much more. And he was like a stat stuffer for better or worse. You know, yeah. and that's not how Chet plays. Um, Chet's it, not a scorer. So, you know what I mean? He's not a scorer. He's just he a guy can who score, but he's not a scorer. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He doesn't Jabari, want to score. Jabari is a scorer, and I like if I exactly. want to build like a franchise. Especially if I have Cade Cunningham, who's a facilitator by nature. It's like I have Cade now, then I bring in Jabari, and I have Isaiah, I have Beef Stew, I have Isaiah Stewart. Like I, I can build a team around that nucleus, and everybody kind of knows their role, and they're comfortable in their role. You know what I mean? And Chet, he's going to have to have his own utility role where it's like Chet does whatever Chet wants to do. It's kind of like Scottie Pippen. You know, like Scottie Pippen, no one was like, we told Scotty to go do this. Like he just did everything, you know, and it was just yeah. like, that's Scotty. You know, like, he just, he has a few steals he has a few blocks you know he takes a couple threes it's like that's just yeah, what he like does. chet it feels like if you ask chet what the the things he wants to do the most on a basketball court scoring is like third or fourth at yes. best yes you know, maybe fifth or sixth and yeah. that doesn't compute in my head to take a number one pick who like scoring isn't first or second you know what i mean <laughs> but it but might at the be same the time, secret yeah but at the same time you watch chet holmgren you're like this guy's so good yeah. So I, it's like it, it, it breaks my brain because, uh, you know, like I, I have a very linear way of approaching basketball and like I, I can't envision I'm not a, you know, I'm not an algorithm guy. Tate. I'm not. You know this. So <laughs> it's also, is yeah, like bre- living in the, the metaverse over here. And freaking, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to really break down what, what it is. But also, I love that Ivy shout out to Sam Vecini. I love that Ivy's ahead of uh, Bancaro because I think he should be. I think Ivy is a much more, you know, if I'm the Rockets, which is slotted in at three right now, I like Jaden Ivy as a fit for a team. You know, we need a lead guard who is going to be able to play in space. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Then we have Ivy. We have Jalen Green, who's obviously they took last year. He's a scorer. It's a fun backcourt. Yeah, that's fun. I, it, it does feel like by the time the draft gets here, the debate is going to be one and two and then three and four. Like, those yeah. are like, 
Feels Which like is the top wild. Four. It's wild because yeah. Bancaro could have a great tournament, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, "I don't know, man. Are you really going to yeah. pass on Paulo? You know, are you really this guy? This guy has it. Whatever it is, he has it." <laughs> but uh, Chet, Chet, and Jabari are better prospects than Paulo. Yeah, I agree at, with that. At this point, I think it's. I think to me, it's pretty clear that Chet and Jabari are are one and two in some order. But trying to figure out what that order is is that's for Vicini. That's for that's, that's, to for, that's, <laughs> that's not for us. That's, that's that's for someone who's not an amateur basketball analyst like myself. <laughs> um, all right, all right. I'm glad. Thanks. Thanks for helping me through that, Tate. You're the uh, you're the the. Um, I talk. The I talk guy. to the NBA. I come back. I report yeah. what they say. A lot of it's a lot of nothing, but I li- I like what I'm seeing from the big boards this year. It's fun. My my. I guess the reason I want to bring that up is uh, everybody should be watching Chet Holmgren. He's very good and he's fun to watch. And I think uh, our listeners would enjoy it. And I don't think a lot of people are probably tuning into Gonzaga at Pepperdine with Robbie Hummel on the call. By the way, shout out the shout yeah. out the Hummel. Uh, he's everywhere. ESPN to fly him across the country to go to Pepperdine. And call him out. Yeah. He just How fast do you think he jumped on that one? Yeah. yeah he's, he's like, like, I'll go to Malibu. They're Malibu? like, oh, yes. yeah. So, They're like. <laughs> We're thinking Starkville, Mississippi, or you want to call the Pepperdine <laughs> yeah. game? He's like, yeah, I can do Pepperdine. Uh, you got shout outs? Yeah, can we? I just want to shout out uh, the goat, Michael Jordan. It's his birthday. Happy 59th birthday! As North Carolina basketball uh, wanes away right in front of my face, uh, it's nice to have the memories of Michael Jordan. He's the best, and uh, every single time I see another birthday, I can't believe one how old I am and how old Michael Jordan is. I feel like. He could go play on a court, you know, anywhere, and then I see he's fifty nine years old. But shout out to him, happy birthday! Do you think Michael Jordan? When when do you think the last time Michael Jordan played a competitive game of basketball is? Do you think he's still playing? Yeah, he he probably still playing pickup, right? Yeah, I think he plays with the Hornets. I think he like screws around. I know last year or a couple years ago when they came to Dean Dome, apparently he like did a little run. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, he's a maniac. I mean, the the everyone asks like what the greatest gift of Michael Jordan is, and I got this firsthand, you know, from BJ, and he's like, the greatest gift is that he doesn't sleep. He doesn't like he doesn't just, have to sleep, like he like that's why he's a maniac. Like he he would go out <laughs> all night, do whatever, and then not sleep, and then be a hundred percent, and it, like that's not supposed to happen. And he somehow he is wired that way where he doesn't have to do that, and that is a succinct advantage when everyone else has. You know, you know, twelve hours in a day. Michael Jordan has twenty. You know what I mean? <laughs> that so makes that- me sick about these guys in the the NBA. Like now too, that uh, they they can all get like uh, James Harden. might is probably the best example. All, all his fluctuating weight, and you know, he gets yeah. traded and loses the weight immediately. But then he's out of shape and not out. You know, and you can't figure this guy out. And he. He always wants to go to the strip clubs and and then and then like when he's like locked in, he's one of the greatest scorers in the history of the NBA. Yeah. And it 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 stresses me out and it upsets me because I just think about like if you dropped me into it doesn't have to be the NBA, you dropped me into any level of basketball tate. I was like so I was at such a disadvantage from a skill and athleticism and everything else standpoint that like I was getting well over eight hours of sleep. I was stretching yeah. very, you know, it's like a regimented schedule of like when you have to stretch what your pregame meal has to be because you got to get that machine finely tuned and get and all the best dudes are that way where like they can i don't know it, it's like like imagine michael jordan would have spent his entire career <laughs> never touched a drop of alcohol never <laughs> smoked anything never, yeah. you know I mean? well the, how good the, can he have been yeah well the, and the thing is like 
he was Went still to bed at, at 10 o'clock every night, you still know? At, but he still like was at the gym. You know what I mean? That's like the, that's the other thing too. You know, it's like, you got to go hard off the and on the court. You know what I mean? And that's like, yeah. James Harden has one half of that. He goes hard off the court, but if he can go that hard on the court, then they could win a champion or he and Philadelphia could win a championship. I, I, I guess, would. uh, I guess that's what LeBron's doing though. LeBron is that why LeBron has become so lame and corny? Like in in his later careers, like he he's trying to he's transitioned into like trying to find the fountain of youth, and by doing so, he's like not actually like living a fun life. He's just like yeah. getting too much sleep and drinking too much water. And he's on the call map, and that's that's why he's just like in the last five years gone from like the coolest story in the NBA that he went back to Cleveland and won a title to now yeah. it's like, there's it's everyone just rolls their eyes at every He's in the super bowl, like, you know, dancing in the, he wants a parade for the, the halftime show. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying like, to steal the Rams doing? parade. Like, I was like, this guy cannot steal the Rams parade. I mean, my goodness, that was, that was the craziest thing I've heard all weekend. I think that, it's, I, I think he's depriving himself of fun experiences now. Cause he wants to, he wants the longevity. He's trying to, he's trying yeah. to keep his body, Right. And and so he's saying no to everything else, which is why when an opportunity for parade comes up, he's like Jones and for it so badly. He's like, I need fun in my life. I need yeah. like that. How else do you explain being in the, the Super Bowl suite and everybody he's around? Like everyone's watching the same thing. Like the Super Bowl halftime show is sick and we're all bobbing our head to it and we're all enjoying it, whatever. And LeBron James is losing his freaking mind at, <laughs> at Eminem and Dr. Trey. <laughs> And I think it's because he's been so deprived, Tate, that he finally, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I think, like, those experiences. Like, he gets he a taste to, of it. He just goes nuts. He has to maximize it. He's like, this is the most fun I've ever had. And everyone's like, you haven't seen a concert? He's like, I haven't been to a concert in 20 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I do is grind, son. Makes you think. Uh, speaking of goats, I want to shout out the uh, the real goat, uh, Coach K, who is fine, uh, apparently. <laughs> He, uh, he, he, he explained, I think it was to Sean Farnham. I think he did an interview. I, I, I watched it. Uh, he was explaining what the hell happened against Wake Forest. Why he didn't come out in the second half. Said he was lightheaded. Said he got an IV at halftime, Tate. Uh, so for the haters out there that said that Coach K was faking this because he didn't want to answer questions in the postgame press conference about Tommy Emmaker yeah. or Bob Knight yeah. um, from those stories that leaked or were released uh, yep. the morning of the Wake Forest game. Shame yep. on you. Coach K was uh, light. He he did look like I went back and like watched the videos of him sitting on the bench. He looked like shit in the first half. So I I actually do no, believe I, him on this. But I uh. do believe I do believe this too. That that was I was gonna say that I was like I don't think Coach K. Uh, I don't think he pulled one over on us this time. I, I think no. he's prone to do that. He's obviously you know. Uh, you know, he, he's a little anal, you know, he, he knows what needs to be done. And I think in this sense, he wasn't dodging anything because at the end of the day, I dare one of those reporters, you know, who are all kissing his ass to ask him a real question. None of them will other than the Chronicle kid and all coach K will say is what's your major back to him. So, um, he's the only one. I can't remember his name. What's his name? I forgot his name. I love uh, that kid. Piazza. Jake Piazza. Yeah, that's right. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I always called him Jake Clemente. I was like, it's some baseball name that uh, that I love. Yeah. Jake Piazza. Jake Piazza. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out uh, Jalen House of the New Mexico Lobos, who had 34 points against Wyoming. Got Richard Patino his first big signature New Mexico win, Tate. Uh, Jalen House's last four games for New Mexico are as follows, Tate. He had three points against San Diego State. He followed that up by having 42 points against Air Force. Then he scored 10 against North uh, New Mexico, Northern New Mexico. 
And then the other night on Tuesday, I think it was, he had 34 against Wyoming, who wow. uh, snuck into the top 25 and was red hot and dominating the Mountain West Conference. So, uh, folks, if you're looking for a consistent scorer in college basketball, keep looking. Jalen House is not your guy. But <laughs> if you're looking for someone who, on any yeah. given night. If you like boomer bust guys, yes, this is your man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He had 45 points in a two two game span, and three were against San Diego State, and 42 were against the Air Force. <laughs> Oh man. So uh anyway, 34 against Wyoming. Shout out to him. That's fun. Good for it's you. It's good for the Patino brand too, because uh yeah. we need more Patinos in college basketball. So I love that. Love to hear that. What else? What else? Is that it? Um honestly, I mean, I wanted to shout out the Rams. I mean, they did the Super Bowl parade uh here in Los Angeles. Did you go? I, I didn't even know where the parade was, um, but it happened. I'm happy for the Rams. I saw Michigan uh put out they had the most former players ever in the Super Bowl. That was my runner up big ten stat of the week. Um, so shout out to them for doing that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Wait, I have no, Michigan I, had the most former mo- players, most former players in the Super Bowl all time. You're Michigan. Oh, all time, all time, all time. Cause it's just Tom Brady a bunch. Yeah. 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 It's, it's exactly that literally. So they basically could have just tweeted Tom Brady went here. And it would have been like, cool, man. That is we what I that. think they're going to tweet next year. Uh, you're when, saying, so what you're Tom, telling, what I'm hearing is Michigan is turning, Michigan with Tom Brady is, yeah. they're turning into what Purdue is with Neil Armstrong, where they're just like, yeah, just FYI. Just in case you forgot. He went here. Also, <laughs> dude, hottest take I have right now, Tom Brady to the Raiders. Whoa. I like that because McDaniels is there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and hey, the tuck rule. He he wins one for the Raiders and is like you can never say anything to me because I got you guys a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he makes up for the one, like his one, the one gripe, the one blip in his whole career that you can say is like I don't know that was kind of BS. He goes back and wins that franchise a Super Bowl. Just saying. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Also, Mick All Lombardi, right. my guy, offensive coordinator for the Raiders. So I, I don't maybe, know. I don't know. Brady, I, I'm just thinking to myself, Brady in Vegas makes too much sense. He's too much of a showman. To not be in Las well, Vegas. Or he doesn't realize that they moved from Oakland and he like wants to go back home to the Bay Area where he's <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah. So he like says that in his press conference. He's like, I signed with the Raiders because I wanted to go back to the Bay yeah. Area. And everyone's yeah. like, don't tell him. Shut the fuck shut, <laughs> yeah, shut up. Do not tell him. <laughs> he's staying in Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. Uh, my last comment, uh, I'm, I'm going to the Daytona 500. I've said yeah. this on the last few shows. Uh, Daytona 500 is Sunday on Fox. Watch it, 2.30 Eastern. Um, my father and I will be in attendance. Uh, I am uh, currently, I'm actually at their place in Myrtle Beach. We're driving down, which I, you said to me was the most Daytona thing you can do. It's like you don't actually fly into Daytona. You fly yeah. into somewhere else in the south. No, not and not you, somewhere you in the south. You you fly into Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Literally Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Myrtle Beach. That's the most Daytona thing. You go from Myrtle Beach to Daytona. In fact, if you so, tell uh, people down in Daytona that you're coming from Myrtle Beach, you're going to get free beers. No I love it. Fantastic. We are uh, we're driving down tomorrow, and on the last, the last few times I've I brought up Daytona Tate, I've said that I've I've needed some drivers, so I wanted to to run some by you. I I got it I got it down to my final five of Please. who I'm going to cheer for. I'm going to throw them out there. Uh, Chase Briscoe, number fourteen. He is. Uh, this is his second year. The reason I'm I'm uh think I'm going to pull for this guy is he's from Indiana. I think he's the one Hoosier in the field, and that's that's really all it takes for me is to. Uh, but yeah. apparently, Bob Pockris of of uh, uh, Fox, who's who's like the NASCAR guru, he I, I was reading his article that he wrote on all this, and he basically said Chase Briscoe kind of has no shot. But <laughs> good good luck to him. <laughs> good luck. I found out he's from Indiana. I was like, oh, I'm going to pull for this guy, and then I was reading Pockris, and he's like. 
given his he said given his roots in dirt racing, Daytona is not expected to be the site of his first career win. So I was like, all right, well, moving well, on. Do you believe in miracles? Because yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna pull for him anyway. Chase Briscoe is my guy. Uh, William Byron's my guy because he wear he's number. I said he wears. He uh drives number twenty four. So there's going to be the nostalgia factor being a Jeff Gordon, yeah, Gordon kid. guy. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to see the 24 going around. I'm just going to instinctively cheer for it, whether I want to or not. You could tell me Byron's like a terrible human being. You could tell me that he, you know. Yeah. But when just, you see 24, it's kind of like, yeah. Once you see your number he, on the field, you, you have a respect. Yeah. For they get it. I, I, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to still going to pull for him because I'm simple minded like that. Meanwhile, uh, similarly with numbers, number 34, Michael McDowell, I'm cheering for him because, uh, I wore number 34. He's number 34, Tate. But he also won Daytona last year. If you remember, there was a wreck on the final lap with uh, Keselowski and Joey Logano got into it. And then Michael McDowell, who led zero laps, then just like sidesteps. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to step over here. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> yeah. And then slip through and wins the race. And the haters have come out in full force. That He was uh, 0 for, here's a stat for you, 0 for 357 in cup races before that race. And then he wins the Daytona 500. So he has been the, the haters have just been nonstop saying it was a fluke, it was fraudulent. Yeah. And uh, I, I will cheer for him to silence the haters. If he wins back to back, he silences the haters. Then the last two I had was uh, Jacques Villeneuve, who uh, won the 1995 Indy 500 and is like 50 something years old. I think yeah. is somehow in this field. I don't know how it happened. I, I kind of don't want to know how it happened. Yeah, it's like better to just. I was looking at the list today. I was like, what the fuck, Jack Villeneuve? That's my favorite thing about NASCAR is like realizing guys that are still driving. You're like, wait, wait a second. Like Mark Martin was like that. Every single time I looked at a race for like 40 years, it was like Mark Martin. I don't want to understand. I, I really don't want anyone to explain to me how this happened. I just want to roll with it. The Jack Villeneuve is now in NASCAR and uh, won, the, won the 500 in uh, 1995. And then the last one, Tate, Bubba Wallace, who uh, I knew I knew his team was owned by Jordan. Yeah. I didn't realize he drove number 23. Yeah, I'm a Bubba I, guy. I pull for Bubba. I, I didn't realize he was sponsored by McDonald's. Yeah. Which is like... They've done you know, everything it, right. They've done everything you got, right. The you got McDonald's and Jordan... And yeah. then uh, he also drives a Toyota, which so do I, not to brag. You know, we both are, are camera guys. Um, but then I found this out. His crew chief is named Booty Barker the Third. That's Bubba Wallace's crew chief. So I got him on the list. I got to pull for Bubba. I mean, like McDonald's and Jordan and Booty. Those are, those are three things that... I mean, those are three things that are undefeated in this country. <laughs> yeah. And, and like Bubba, I mean, he's been cool with everybody. You know what I mean? As far as like, you know, he's got good teammates. It's good to be Jordan, like bring Jordan into racing. I think, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pulling for him. I hope he figures it out, but I miss Dude, well, Dale. I just miss Dale, man. I, I, I just miss. <laughs> it's kind of like Jordan, you know, it's just like, I'll never see anything better than Dale. I'll never see anything better than Michael Jordan, you know? And it kind of sucks most, when you know that. That was the most NASCAR comment you can make. I, you, you just go, you're like, yeah, Bubba. Yeah, I just, I just missed Dale, though. Like, <laughs> 21 years later, you're like, yeah, man. It's, still, it's just not the same since Dale left. It's not the us. same. Um, no, uh, uh, but maybe Bubba doesn't win this year, though. He waits until the Daytona 500 is on Jordan's birthday, and that's when it happens. Yeah, yeah I like that. Maybe that a birthday it. weekend, you know. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I'm pulling for, I like that list. I'm, I'll pull for all those guys, too. Yeah, those are those are my guys. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, Tuesday night, right? Live show yeah. Tuesday night. Live show all Tuesday right. night. Enjoy Daytona, man. See you guys.